and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. I want to start with acknowledging the land on which we're recording today. We're coming to you from Gadigal land, part of the Eora Nation in the middle of Sydney, and we acknowledge elders past, present and emerging and pay our respects and gratitude for the care of this land for thousands of years. To the podcast, I'm Rhonda Brighton Hall and delighted to be here with James Hancock today. Hey Rhonda, good to be here with you again. It is good to be here. It's been a great week and I think this is going to be a really good conversation. Has, can't wait. What are we doing? We're doing uh, three topics as we always do. Two big topics that are very topical at the moment and one example of great work. And so first topic we're going to do is the impact of the two-speed workforce, including across into the recent article we saw in the New York Times about absent bosses, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Nobody wants to talk about it, but we need to. Yeah, Second topic, productivity versus empathy. And this is the current battle of business media. Being too empathetic, let's be productive. Yeah. Let's have Get a talk about that. Don't be empathetic. Well, let's see how we go. Okay, That's cool. exactly right. right. Yep. yep, love it. And the third one is a bit of wisdom. And um, we're going to quote and discuss some wisdom from Samantha Johnson, who's the managing director of Polestar here in Australia. Yeah, pretty cool looking car. Looks better it, than a Tesla. We can't say that, can we? But it I, does. I think we have to say that. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> I actually think it's a really cool looking car. Like, we, actually, yeah. we actually work for some pretty cool car companies. Yep. And yeah, frankly, we're excited to see that someone's making a good for the environment car that yep. doesn't look like a jelly bean. Yeah, that doesn't try and hit you when you're uh, when you're right next to it. Neither of us own Teslas and or watch, Polestars, right? So, and watch, yeah. and watch the, the feedback moment. roll in on that one. Yeah, there yeah, we go. <laughs> okay, let's go straight to the impact of the two-speed workforce, which we've been talking about since the end of last year. Yep. And we've been gradually through CO conversations we've been having the last couple of months, starting to see what this looks like. We want to talk about two impacts. I'm sure there's more than that, but let's just start with two. First one's careers, impact on careers of the two-speed workforce, and the second one's leadership. I think they're both super-duper critical. Let's start with the obvious one, because the obvious one's careers, and people are already starting to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Data is pretty fresh at the moment, but we'll see that come through. So, careers. What is a career? A meandering quilt of, I don't know, see, I think, like, I, I know where you're going with that. I think, yeah, everyone talks about ladder or lattice or whatever else. Yes. And it's just, to me, it's a wild old quilt of things, but right. you can be a bit deliberate in that, but and, yeah. Yeah. And no pressure, but we have had a look mm. and modeled the tops of every company almost and yeah. said, how did they get there? Yeah. And no one did the course at that level, did two years, yeah. did the course at yeah. that level, did two years. Yeah. No. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd all be CEOs at about 29. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I failed. I'm way out. <laughs> so a career is, a, as you said, a meandering quilt of experiences and ideas. And when you look at it like that, yep. how you play that, the speed with which you approach it, the ambition, what you want to get out of it, all of those things are really important. But opportunities is what goes away with this two-speed workforce. If you're, if you're choosing to sort of take a back seat, I've got a lot on, I've got a lot in. Go yeah. for your life, like yeah. not suggesting that's not a good choice, but there's something about the opportunities that you learn in the real chaos of, yeah. oh wow, I was doing this job and then someone walked past us doing something else, I heard it, I went across, offered my services and helped them do it. Yeah. And all of a sudden you've got those lessons and I love your reference point for that, the way you describe it is the lessons you learn when you don't have a safety net. Yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, yeah, we've learned a lot working together in this business over the last six years together. Yeah, that's exactly together. right. That's um, exactly right. And I think it's important and you know you learn lots from when things aren't going in a normal slow steady 
pattern. Yeah. And I think that's all of the key experiences that people have that really make careers. Yeah. And it's the chaos and those opportunities that come when you're working fast and hard and in the moment that you get to do things that you never thought you'd get to do. You're in the deep end. You're with a group of people. You don't know everything they can do. You're learning from them. And I think that those opportunities, when when you step back, you miss them. Yeah. Opportunities aren't scheduled. That's how I put it. That's a great way to look at it. We spend an awful lot of time talking about how to design learning, but most of our learning, the estimate is somewhere about 85%, is actually coming from life. You know, what we do. Yeah. Exactly. The second part of that, and it probably goes into that, because you do form really good relationships in that cauldron of lessons and learning and everything else, is this trust. Yeah. You know, you build trust with a person because you're hanging out with them, you're having coffee, you're hearing their experience, you see them on a bad day, you support them when they when they need it, they support you when you need it. Yeah. You don't ever build that on a 20-person Zoom call. No, no. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. And I think, yeah, you get so much more mileage when you've met someone and learned something even a slither about them and who they are yeah and that comes when you it's not the same when i hear that on zoom i could ask the same question and it wouldn't be the same yeah and it's also experience tells all of us now that when you're on those big zoom calls that person who wants to tell you all about the terrible things in their life is the same person all the time but everyone else has experiences too but they just don't get on zoom and share them (laughs) so you actually don't really get to know most people yeah. Um, the other piece of it is mentors. They have to know you, see you, work with you, know yeah. that you're up for a bit of voluntary effort and stepping up yeah. and giving it, having a go at things. And the second one of those is sponsors. And we know from decades of research now that sponsorship is the most important aspect of a mm-hmm. su- successful career, particularly women, minority groups, etc., is that you need someone to sponsor you because you're not in the room. You don't have the power to get in there. So sponsorship becomes really important. And so mentors and sponsors, when they don't see you, just own the fact that you're just going to have less. Yeah, I think you have a very different vested interest, for want of a better way to put that. That sounds really like cold language when you've met someone and everything else. So I was thinking about that mentoring slash sponsorship point. And I have two mentees at the moment. Um, and we've met six or seven times between you know, yeah. the, those two sort of pairings, of which we've never met face-to-face, one by um, distance, one by sort of circumstances, yeah. and it feels different. Yeah. It's not, it's not as rich as it could be based on that. Yeah. And so happy, and even that's happy, one to call on one. That, happy to call that out. That's one-on-one, that's not one on meeting one. them together. Right. Um, both great. Yeah. Um, hopefully you feel the same but it's just totally different it's not the same so the stats are coming in is that careers are built as we suspected and have known for a long time actually is that they're built on relationships and so you've got to build them so by all means choose flexibility choose the way you want to work choose work part time whatever you want to do is fine but make sure you're doing those things still and getting those relationships working and the second piece of this two-speed workforce which is one we've been challenged by is this leadership one and Jeff Pfeffer's just um, has put an article into the New York Times. It's actually called Mass Layoffs and Absentee Bosses Create a Moral Crisis at Meta. Yeah. And uh, it's obviously quotes back to his 2018 Dying for a Paycheck yeah. book, which we've used many, many times as a reference point because it's such a great volume of research. Yeah. But it, the significant research on career and leadership and how these two things come together. Yeah. Um, and what we're seeing is when your leaders are absent, yeah. it's very, very difficult to lead. Mm-hmm. So if you're already struggling to be a great leader, a person who creates space for others to thrive and contribute brilliantly, it's going to be even harder if you lock yourself away. Yeah, I agree. And I think we were playing around with this a lot and thinking about it and talking about it with a cup of coffee earlier a lot 
yeah. which is I actually think it was a morale crisis, but how we've worded it as moral crisis is probably more correct. We've picked up on that language, which is, hey, if you're probably a leader, bias. are you? Yeah, yeah <laughs> me, and me too, right? And I probably, I probably sort of scribbled it down as an idea, right? But um, if you're a leader, you need to be there for others, not just yourself in isolation or some other variation. And he's sort of tapping to that. Yeah. Um, very notion which I think is fascinating I could think of two examples because mm. I know people's reaction when we talk about this they go oh you can't say that because we want to be flexible don't doubt we want to be flexible yep. and we've learned so many good lessons in the last couple of years on what's possible yep. in work design that we should hold on to them but just don't be ignorant of the challenges that are still there yep. and work harder to fix them so if you're a boss as you're saying you have to mm. be there for your team for customers for the business not just for yourself and we, we saw two examples just blew my mind one was a person who's like i need to drop my kids off and i'm going to be ready to go at 10 mm-hmm. and i need to pick my kids up i'll be gone at two getting ready for the three o'clock pickup now that's mm-hmm. a part-time job which is awesome go you yeah but don't pretend it's a full-time job and you're available because yeah. when you say now my kids are in bed i can talk to you at 8 30 yeah it doesn't suit anybody else yeah. your customers are in bed too <laughs> or getting their kids ready for bed I think that concept in general is that that example is picking up on a topic that I think we've sort of come back around this circle kind of which is um, people talk about hybrid work a lot and flexible Mm. work a lot Mm. what they really mean is scheduling like I think we've gone a long way back into hey is there a roster and a punch card and a whatever else in in not only blue collar quote unquote or white collar or no collar, like all of the above in any t-shirts. Shop, in t-shirts, right? Or shirtless. I don't know what work you do, but, um, but basically, people have gone scheduling opposed to actually. Let's talk about the work yeah. opposed to your schedule. Yeah, not, in isolation. I mean, not what I yeah. need, Correct. but here's what I'd like. Here's what you'd like. What's our work to do? How are we going to do it yeah, together? How's it look this week compared to next? All of the above. Like, and yeah. the biggest change that we went through was this moving away from permission-based flexibility. I fill out a form and tell you what I need and you give yeah. me permission to do it. Yeah. Whereas now we're saying everybody can have it. Now we have to understand the costs, benefits, the collaboration and respect for each other that's required. Yeah. And then we can start to design a work that actually works for everybody yeah. and the work. I also think this conversation, like... Um, patting us on the back for a second would never openly do that or very rarely openly do that <laughs> but there's not many people willing to have it because they're scared of it like they'll lose staff or i don't know but i think that's this is real and if people want better organizations they need to talk about it mm. and we know from talking to senior leaders that they want to say it they're just a bit handcuffed mm. probably mm. and probably um people in their teams and businesses are the same and mm. so let's just talk about it and history's already treating yeah. kindly those organizations that were a bit bolshy on this a couple of years ago because they sort of said look we're not going to go completely remote no buildings you can work from anywhere you like in the universe we're going to keep an office we do need to come together occasionally it was oh you don't understand the future but some of those ceos are actually looking pretty good now yeah that's right everyone's ringing them and going how'd you do that what'd you do i thought about it and probably did what we're describing and probably human beings can have a positive impact on each other topic two and it does relate to this because it's the other one we're seeing come through is this jarring debate we love these debates where we're all one way or all the other this one is about productivity versus empathy Mm. i've no doubt that it will get very clunky before it gets clear because it'll be oh you don't understand the future etc etc everybody um wants a jarring leap but it'll actually be context-based um front page of fortune Mm. after the crash it's called the article is actually called after the crash silicon valley was humbled bankers were pushed to the brinks how tech and finance can rebuild and the question underneath it is efficiency is in is empathy out question mark i think it's fascinating because 
efficiency talks to like yeah it's very it sounds quite tech techy in a way yeah efficiency great whatever but actually they didn't care about that they wanted to grow at all costs now we've seen a thousand examples in well globally but in australia alone um about efficiency great businesses are always thinking about efficiency and empathy together not separately yeah and it's always probably got points of natural tension i would say yeah. Like, you know, where we're going, oh, we need to be a bit more efficient or tough calls, but hold on, what about the people? What about this? What about a change? All of the above. Yeah. It's always hard. It's not like, okay, today, empathy. Tomorrow, efficiency. <laughs> it's always intertwined. And now tech companies that had, you know, seemingly yeah. ne- needing to pretend to be empathetic through a crisis or, and, you know, yeah. talent crunch and all the rest are like, now we've got labor and people and talent in the market. And so, hmm, interesting. It's 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 cyclical like anything else and if it was easy like every leader came in and the, mm. in the article they actually quote mm. the ceo of salesforce globally which is mike benioff and it's yeah. and probably i'm pronouncing his name incorrectly i've yeah. never spoken to him so i don't i've never said hey mark how's I've that surname of yours? huge office towers globally so they have <laughs> had offices through the uh, you know to our earlier so they have spent big on creating great workplaces for tech talent that everyone's very attracted to and now they face tough choices in the cost-cutting areas how they've described it mm. so if it was just I have to be productive or I have to be empathetic anyone in the whole universe could build a business anyone because we could just choose one for the day but what you're saying is that they aren't opposite ends of the spectrum and we think quite rightly that productivity is based on accountability or founded on accountability it's one of the four big drivers of belonging so it goes right across into empathy and inclusion so if you only get productivity if you have really strong accountability and there's another debate that we've heard a few times with clients at the moment too, which is very, very interesting. And this is this debate between excellence, mm-hmm. which is very important to yep. be successful, versus perfection. Oh, my God. That's such a good... I've heard that too. Whether we were sitting next to each other or not, I've heard it for sure. Yeah. Fascinating. Because if I, if I need perfection from you, yeah. then I'm going to tell you what you got wrong. And I'll find it. You will be with fault yep. and you will have a flaw, yep. as, I, as I will too. Yeah. If that's what I'm seeking, but that that idea, the definition of perfection is this lack of flaws or fault the faults. Yeah. Excellence is better. It's the highest bar within a context and the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Now, if you're a colleague or a, a direct report of a boss or even a boss with another boss, whatever it happens to be, that accepting that your excellent colleague or boss is actually not perfect, yeah. but has flaws and faults, but yeah. is still very, very good, requires a huge amount of empathy Mm, yeah is that how it goes then is it not a productivity and empathy debate or versus is it an excellence with empathy i think excellence and empathy go together so beautifully yeah yeah because you you can actually not achieve it on your own you need the people around you to be excellent too and to be okay when you're not quite on yeah sort of working constantly it's requires empathy all the time to be great as a team yeah you'll see this like article um that is out about the same time as you're listening to this podcast um but thinking about it's not about individual heroics which sort of goes to your point on perfectionism oh, i really I, like I think, this article. and then also there's this point on adding value which i think goes more to excellence sort of being at the simplest level being excellent for others around you yeah it's just about that interaction that you're having right now yeah and being awesome. better for them so i think it's like really quite well aligned yeah cool last thing we want to do topic three a little bit of wisdom 
this is so cool. Samantha Johnson, managing director of Polestar here in Australia, who are making some actually very cool looking environmentally look cool. friendly cars. They, yeah, they and hearing her very candid and insightful views on how people should build their careers, there's a couple of things in there that was just so cool. So one of the things she said, if you don't get invited to the table, invite yourself. Mm. Which I really like. Mm. Although we always, when we're coaching people, we're sort of going, don't just get to the table, know what you're going to do when you get there. That's yeah. probably the second piece of that advice. You don't just want to turn up, you want yeah. to be useful. I, see, I saw that quote, um, <laughs> I saw that quote from Samantha and I must say I was like, oh, this is like, screams like, seat at the table, which is, you know, that HR needs a seat at the yeah. table. So I paused on it and then I sort of looked through it and my own bias and went, actually what she's saying is right. And I agree, you can take it a step further. As, yeah. as you said, I'm like, okay, I think that's, and I read that as her essence of what she was saying. So yeah. Or interpreted it, yeah. She talks about building skills. And yeah. especially in the space where you've got weaknesses, which is really important. She talks about building relationships, and I love this one. So it's building relationships horizontally, vertically, every which way. Don't email the person when you can see them, or you can just walk over and talk. Yeah. yeah. It's so simple Amazing. and so clear. Next one, back to that two-speed economy, you can two-speed workforce. You can sort of say, I'm going to stick these guardrails around myself. Mm-hmm. But key projects and inviting yourself to the table, if necessary, to be on those key projects without a safety net, learning things you've never learned. Yeah. Those key projects are the epiphanies through careers. You take leaps of, of change. Yeah. And then make ambitious the promises yeah. and deliver on them. I love this one. This is, <laughs> I, this is actually what career progression at pace is. I it's agree. sort of like, I, I'm not sure I can do it, but you're not going to know that. I'm going to promise something and let's get it done. That is, that is everything. Yeah. And not many people think about it like that, I reckon, yeah. out there. And there's one other piece um, that I thought we should just throw into this, yeah. and that's on organizational improvement. And this goes to your article too, is to pick your battles because when you do pick one, people will listen. Whereas if you're the person that battles everything and is preachy all the time, nobody wants to hear about it. But if you've got, actually, they're pretty easy to get along with, highly collaborative, except on this issue, this must be important. You start to get a reputation for it. They pick the things that matter. I love that. And I've seen that play out where people literally say, and I'm going to paraphrase, it's probably not the perfect expressions, but sort of on the fly. One is not dying on the hill for that moment or thing because, like, I get it and, like, this isn't where I'm playing the card. And the other is I'm playing the card. Yeah. And it's, like, <laughs> so it's super interesting. I'm thinking of the people that were saying it. But ultimately, what, however you say it, those are okay, which is, like, we'll go with you on this. Get yep. it. Or, hey, no. Nah. Yeah. And this is sort of why, obviously, working close together. Yeah. I think it's really, awesome. really cool point. It's great advice. Quite aside from the fact she's making cool cars. Yeah, and we appreciate that too. Yeah. We are looking for corporate car sponsors <laughs> at the moment. Um, but that's an aside. Um, here we do Ma- have a bit of a brand here. Moi Polestar is kind of cool, huh? Maybe a Moistar. Anyway, we'll move on. That's all from us today. We've gone a little bit over, but I thought they were really good topics and they will be very topical in the next couple of months, I think, as we go through these difficult economic circumstances that we're in. These are the topics that, you know, how do we design work that actually works? Yeah. Um, how do we make sure that it doesn't just become productivity, no empathy, or just empathy and no productivity? Yeah. They're balanced and we're up for that context. We can do Love this. Yeah. And then the third piece, let's listen to good advice from people are actually getting good stuff done, not people who are theorizing about it. I like that a lot. Thanks for listening. And as we always say, keep listening to each other, to yourself, to your intuition, and hopefully to us too. Thank you. Thank you.